The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? Doing great today, John. It's uh, it's always a great day here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, I'm keeping with that tradition. How is everything going in the world of JPWA as you guys are kind of getting... Rocking and rolling here. Well, we it, it it's we just finished our second week, and uh, it is the summertime in Knoxville, and it's hot. It's good. It's sweaty. Uh, we've had fourteen people sign up, and uh, two have decided uh, maybe this isn't for them, which happens on occasion. But um, we we we're doing great, and uh, we've got a good pace, good group, good group of guys. And uh, everything is is fantastic. I'm looking forward to week, week three because week three, as I've told everyone, now I'm going to make it public so I cannot go back on my word, mm-hmm. uh, because everyone has uh, progressed at the pace they've progressed, we are going to go ahead and go with the famous or infamous man-in-the-middle drills. So that starts the third week, and I think everybody's up for it. Ooh, I know we talked about this before, but let's go into a little deeper. Man in the middle, what are they going to be doing? Uh, well, one guy's going to be in the middle, and uh, we start with a series that he does five times and do another series five times. And it's about uh, ten series that, that, that he has to do five times. And, and so, let's see, last time I checked, five times ten means 50. So, um, they're going to be doing 50 series not 50 moves it's it, it's a series and uh they don't have to rush they're going to take their time and it will take some time so this is this is where we start now um if if they thought they were training hard the first two weeks uh the third week is going to be an eye opener i think so it's um there there's a few things involved and if you get my book uh, you can see how the man in the middle works Oh, do we uh, do we want to plug the book or, or right off the start? Well, why not? My goodness, yeah. we can plug it off the start. We can plug it in the end. It doesn't matter. But I mean, yeah. uh, I do have a one-year curriculum that we um, uh, we take and, and we 
creatively uh, infuse a little bit of this and a little bit of that, uh, something you don't have to go uh, directly by the book, but with man in the middle, uh, it, it's something uh, you might want to go directly by the book. And that is a pro wrestling curriculum advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level. So um, uh, that it, it's it's going to be a very interesting uh, third week. Also, while I am thinking about it, and while we are plugging things, and while we can mm-hmm. get this out of the way right off, the, not out of the way, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the JPWA, in conjunction with All-American Wrestling Academy that was actually started by a guy named Rudy Boy Gonzalez in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he, he put together this it's a small organization. I say small organization because because it only includes Rudy Boy Gonzalez, uh, Les Thatcher, and myself. Uh, we have got together. Rudy's going to be in the area in August. As a matter of fact, he will be here in Knoxville, August 8th and 9th, along with myself and Les Thatcher. And we are going to be putting together a two-day camp. Uh, there's limited spaces available. We have only... Actually went public with this this week, and uh, spaces spots are are uh, filling up quickly. We have limited limited spaces available. We're going to cut it off at thirty. So uh, if you would like any information, go to JP Wrestling Academy at gmail dot com and. Uh, Put the August camp in the subject matter. I will send you the information. Uh, $99 for two days. I'll go ahead and say that. $99 for two days with three experienced trainers with over 100 years of experience, by the way. So uh, you're going to go over ring awareness, promos, uh, body language, movement, psychology, presence, and yes, Man in the middle. So uh, it'll be going uh, August 8th is a Saturday. We, we start at 9 uh, to 9.30 registration. Just make sure everyone who says they were going to be there is there or not. 9.30 to 10 is going to be the introduction. Then from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., we break into three groups. The in-ring training will be group one. The video match study and breakdown group two. Promos, interviews, and communication skills for your character slash persona will be group three. So Les, Rudy, and myself will each take a group. We'll rotate when we come back after a 1 o'clock to 2 p.m. break. Start back at 2.15, go to 6 p.m. on Saturday, and uh, uh, we're not on a hard time at all. We, Especially on a camp like this, we... Uh, we we have long days, which which is uh, good for a lot of people. So Sunday, pretty much, uh, we we come in at ten, break into three groups, go till one, and one to two is a break. And from two fifteen to six p.m., we have promos and matches that all three of us will critique and go over. So uh, once again, if you want any information, email us at jp wrestling academy at gmail.com that's august 8th and 9th 2020 at the jp wrestling academy facility right here in knoxville rudy boy gonzalez less that you and myself 
Now that's just absolutely amazing and definitely something that if you're an aspiring wrestler, you got to jump on that. So you mentioned man in the middle and I got to mention manscaped. Yes. The new lawnmower 3.0. And of course, Manscaped, this show is brought to you by Manscaped today. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over technology and development to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Now, Dr. Tom, water-resistant technology allows you to use it in the shower. I mean, one of the coolest things, now they got an LED light. Manscaped is really stepping up their game. There's no doubt about that. And what a great gift for Father's Day, John. I mean, who wouldn't want one for Father's Day? Even if you're not a father, hell, it might help you become one. Either way. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, all the technology and, and services we have today, it was just a matter of time beside, before somebody would come up with something as ingenious as the Lawnmower 3.0. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a great time to be, uh, be alive in 2020 on some fronts, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, of course, use our promo code POWERTRIP to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code POWERTRIP. Can't beat that. Not at all. Now, today's episode, we're, we're going to definitely get into that in, in kind of just a second. But, you know, you mentioned, just real briefly, I wanted to mention this because you kind of mentioned at the top, people dropping out. And, you know, they're, they're in JPWA, they drop out. You said that's kind of common. Do people actually think it's easier to get in wrestling than, than, than you know, it's advertised? I mean, is that why people are dropping out? I, honest to goodness, uh, I don't know what the thought process is coming in um, because people have surprised me. I'll, I'll look at one guy and say, well, this this is certainly a guy who's in it for the long haul. And then other times, uh it could be the heat. It could be. It could be that they thought it was something that 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 it really isn't. Um, I don't know the thought process, but uh, one person just told me. You know, I I always use the analogy. There's people who try when they don't make it. They try. They say at least I tried. And those who give it their best shot, and when they don't make it, they say at least I gave it my best shot. And then those there are those who say whatever it takes. And and one one person was very honest with me he said hey uh i've got to tell you i'm i'm a trier and i don't think this is for me so i appreciate and respect that and um the other fella i think it might be one of those things where he just got in over his head and uh decided that uh he needed to to regroup and now wasn't the time but certainly uh, we don't know what the future holds. So I, I really don't know, John. It's, it's, it is one of those things that, um, I, we can, we can describe it all day long, but, uh, until you actually jump out of a plane, you don't know that feeling. You, you might think you want to know, and you might think that you, you have an idea, but, but really, uh, you don't know, and it's the same thing with the wrestling class. Uh, it, it we, I, I'm not, I'm not that guy who wants to just blow people up for the sake of blowing people up. I don't believe in that at all. But, but what we do in the first uh, couple weeks uh, can be different 
and intense for for people who have never done it. Obviously, it's different because you, if you've never done any type of, of uh, professional wrestling training, everybody has their own way of doing things. But uh, you don't know. You, you really don't know what it's like until you get in the ring and uh, do what you have to do. And some people find out they they really don't uh, don't want to do it as bad as they thought they did at one time. So we'll see. I mean, it's all up to the individual. I've seen so many different personalities and people come through, and um, so people who want it for for all the wrong reasons, and all the all the wrong reasons are rich and famous and. And uh, go out and you're going to make $300 million. It doesn't work like that. You can't come at it with the uh, expectation of uh, being being a millionaire. If, if you're that good and that passionate, it will follow. It, it will fall into place. Uh, the cream will rise to the crop, top. Excuse me. Uh, that That sounded like such a cliche. And then... Uh, when I, when I broke in and when I started training people, it, it's true, you know, guys that you, you look at and, and, or guys that I looked at and I thought, I, I don't, I don't know about this guy. And all of a sudden he, he shocks everyone because he's, he got that quiet determination, that quiet confidence and, uh, uh, doesn't stop. So I don't know. I, I don't know what everybody thinks when they start. Uh, and I'm not sure what they think when they finish because you never really finish. It's it's uh, it's always a work in progress if you're looking to succeed and get better. So I really couldn't tell you what they think when they sign up. And and, and let me just put a, put a put a little uh, cherry on that too. Um, there are times and there are moments. Uh, when I can be very animated, and I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how how someone who who has not had a lot of experience around me uh, can interpret that. Some some people who have life experiences with people uh, such as uh, who have the same personality traits that I do get it and understand that this is my way of coaching. This is my way of communicating when I coach. Uh, and they've had coaches like this. I, I'm not, uh, I don't, again, I don't do the blow-up drills to blow you up. We we do drills that blow you up that, that you have to do for repetition. So, and and those who, who get it, get it. And those sometimes maybe they, they're not used to that. And I understand. Now, today's episode is all about kind of tributes. And, of course, recently the passing of Johnny Walker, a.k.a. Mr. Wrestling 2, at the age of 50, excuse me, at the age of 85. Sorry about that. He was 85 years old. And I know you've wrestled him before, but kind of before we get into that, were you surprised at all? Who knew? How did you hear about the news about Mr. Wrestling 2? Um, I, I don't know that I was shocked. I don't know that I was surprised. Um, I, it, it's funny because the last time I saw Johnny was in, uh, both in Alabama for a, uh, uh, gosh, reunion, you know, continental championship wrestling. Dennis Gale puts it on every year and he was there and, um, I knew he was getting up there in years and my gosh, um, 
<laughs> the the sad realization that I'm coming to now is is understanding that people I looked up to, people I uh, watched as a kid and then got in the business and got to know, um, ha- are certainly getting older and certainly. I, everybody has their day, and and uh, it didn't it didn't surprise me, uh, because I've come to almost expect it and, and get ready for it. So uh, I was happy to uh, to know that he was uh, in Hawaii because I know he loved it. I know I know he loved uh, the island. So, uh, but it was it was a little it was it was sad in a, in a sense because it, it's just another piece of. Um, not only wrestling history, but a piece of my uh, my childhood, my uh, experience in the business, and and the people I've been around. So, wrestling too was an icon. Wrestling too was a guy that uh, a lot of guys, a lot of kids who broke in the same time I did. Uh, I, you know, I broke in in 1979, and two was on top, and two was was a a special performer in the business. He was a wrestler. He he knew his stuff, and uh, so you know when when you lose someone like that, even even though he had he hasn't been around consistently in long many many years um it's still sad and it's still it's it's like a part of you is uh was taken with it and the only solace i have is just knowing and understanding that this is part of it this is part of life this is what we're dealing with and uh you know, life goes on now wrestling too is such a big time star i mean there's a few areas obviously Mid-South made a huge name for herself. Florida, Alabama, like you mentioned. Georgia was a huge name. You know, do you think as many people are familiar with him nowadays, or do you think that there's almost like that missing time with the fans aren't as good as historians or fans as they were because it's almost like they forgot who he was? I I would have to say uh, you're pretty much right on the money with that, and uh, a lot of people don't. Remember wrestling too, just because I don't think the same attitude uh, that that wrestling fans had years ago is prevalent today, um, and and it's not not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's it's like um, I was at in in Philadelphia, I think earlier this year, and and uh, do you remember Joel Goodhart? Yes. Okay. The original ECW promoter. <laughs> well, he, he he was there in Philly, and uh, I didn't recognize him, but he came over and introduced himself again because I had done some shows with him. I wrestled the Cheetah Kid, Ted Petty, on one of his oh, shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And he came over and said, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, dude, I don't. He goes, yeah, Joe Goodhart. I said, oh, man. He goes, yeah. And he whispered in my ear, no prompt, no anything. He says, he leaned over and said, you know, nobody's going to know who you are here. And I said, yeah, I do know. I get it. I haven't been on TV in, uh, my God, over 20 years. Um, for the casual fan or even for a wrestling fan that's doing these uh, uh, conventions and things like that, um, I I understand. If you're not part of the modern era in the last five years or, hell, even 10 years and haven't been on TV in a while – 
they're not going to know because there's so much uh, vying for your attention and entertainment uh, dollar. You're going to watch what you want to watch, and people play video games and do other things, and uh, it, it just they're not interested in the history. And, and wrestling too was a huge part of not just the history of wrestling, but he was Miss Lillian's favorite wrestler when Jimmy Carter was in the White House. And nobody knows mm-hmm. who Jimmy Carter is because nobody cares to learn about history and, and why it's repeated over and over and over. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's a shame too, that, uh, not not many fans of today's era know who Mr. Wrestling was. But again, and, and, and that kind of leads me into something else, talking about that. I, I listened to part of Jim Cornette's podcast earlier this week about the crowd reactions of then versus now. And, and it's such a different um, model, environment, uh, way of life, whatever you want to call it, uh, culture. Um, it just doesn't exist anymore. But, but, and if you were never in that era and you've never heard a crowd pop or never heard or felt the tension or the heat or the, or the buzz going on, there's no way to, to, to adequately describe it where you can understand. And wrestling too came from that era. He, he came from the era when, uh, a masked guy, masked man, in his 40s, could go out there, wiggle his head, move his head, do a dance, and he had this ability to connect with the fans. He had this ability to walk out, no music, um, no pyro, uh, go out in his entrance and tell, get the reaction, get the fans behind him, uh, and even when he was a heel, uh, the fans bought into him, and it was done authentically. He believed when he went out. He wore his mask. He put his mask on, I think, two miles from the building and and took it off. Uh, I rode with him my first TV match in Shreveport when – uh, I drove down, followed Boyd Pierce, and in I think I told that story, Highway to Hell. Uh, anyway, anyway, two was there that day, and boy, uh, Buck Robley came in the dressing room and asked if I wanted to work that night, and I said, sure. And uh, then Buck and I, he, uh, I followed Buck over to the hotel where all the guys stayed, left my car there, and Buck and I went to the uh, the racetrack, the horses, until it was time to go to the town. We went to the town and a uh, little small place that they called a little sportatorium. Couldn't tell you, don't remember the town, but, but on the way back home, uh, the guy I worked with Lord Jonathan Boyd and Mr. Wrestling two got in the car with us to go back home. You know, caught a ride with us back at the, uh, uh, hotel in, in Shreveport. And we, he waited 20 minutes to take the mask off when we got out of the, uh, uh, out of the building. So uh, he was one of those old old school guys, and and the old school is is pretty non-existent today for the most part. And uh, it, it was just the rituals and 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 part of the things that that does not exist today. And I think because it doesn't exist, 
in in everyone else's head, in everyone else's thought process, it really doesn't matter. And uh, you know, again, I think it's I think it's a, a crying shame, but it's it's uh, where we find ourselves in 2020, along with all this other chaos going on. So uh, I think I think you'd be hard pressed. To, to find a casual fan who would know anything about uh, Mr. Wrestling 2. Now, for the historians, the guys out there like the Tom Burks or the uh, George Napolitanos or whoever it might be to um, be, be interested in such a thing as wrestling history uh, and care about how these guys blazed the trail and laid the, the foundation for, for what the business is today, um, you know, it, it, it's not going to matter. So, uh, and, and that, that, that is a huge element. I keep, we always say, oh yeah, it's missing or no. Yeah. It's, it, and we're not necessarily saying, uh, everything was better back then, but there, there's a few things that, that, that sure could go head to head with some of the stuff you see today. And, um, I dare say that it was a lot better. Now, for the historians out there, they should know that Jimmy Carter, obviously president of the United States at one point, but you got to love that he was invited to the uh, White House for Carter's inauguration, but kind of like declined the invitation because the Secret Service kept busting his balls because he wouldn't appear on masks. You know, they needed for security reasons, I guess, him not to be walking around with a mask, but he was so popular at the time, he didn't want to do that. Did you, uh, you love that story, right? I mean, that's pretty cool. He- yeah, that, right. You know, uh, Miss Lillian lived in Columbus, Georgia, and and she would come down every week, uh, sit in the seat, sit in her seat, her, her same seats. And, and there's a a picture. I don't know if it's a famous picture or not, but I've seen it for the last. Oh, I don't know. I've seen it before, but then I've seen it last week, uh, numerous times because of. Uh, his passing, but a picture of Lillian, Miss Lillian, coming in the in the dressing room in Columbus, Georgia. You know, visiting with uh, uh, two and Tommy Rich, Bob Armstrong, all the baby faces, and he wouldn't take the mask off for her. He uh, kayfabed uh, her. He wouldn't. He wouldn't break. You know. So um, it was. A, it was a It was a different business, and that that's that was how he was brought up. Uh, that's how he came into it, and then when he he his time was over, I think he spent you know a couple of years in the modern WWF back then. But um, he had already accomplished. Um, I mean, hell, so much more uh, than than a lot of guys have, and a lot of guys ever will. So yeah, it, it was it was a great. A great honor, I think, and I know he felt that, a great honor and a great uh, – uh, it was exciting, you know, to know that, that not only are you wrestling in front of uh, thousands of uh, or millions of wrestling fans uh, who care about you, but but the president of the United States of America, his, his mother, wants you to uh, – would like to invite you to the inauguration, and, and, and you refuse because you don't want to – take your mask off but at the same time you know you got to appreciate he stuck to his guns and 
And uh, that that's even better with the legend. So adds to the legend, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. His mother's favorite wrestler <laughs> was yeah. Mr. Wrestling, too. Pretty uh, crazy when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, it is. But at the same time, uh, there's a story uh, that Paul Bosch tells in his book about uh, Sam Muchnick going to the White House with uh, the Kansas representative Mel Price, I think it was. And uh, Mel Price and, and Sam are, are in a receiving line for George Bush. And uh, Mel says, Mr. Bush, we're pres- Mr. President, I would like to introduce you to the greatest wrestling promoter of all time, Sam, Mr. Sam Muchnick. And... Uh, uh, George Bush leaned over and said, I thought Paul Bosch was the greatest wrestling promoter in the world. And Sam had to call and tell Paul that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, it, it goes through. It, it really does. I mean, and now we have the uh, uh, Hall of Famer in in the White House. Uh, so, we're, you know, I think it just goes to show and it transcends. Um, back then, people watched wrestling for, for all all different reasons, and and a lot of it was, of course, it was for entertainment. Of course, it was just to spend our time watching these guys as opposed to meet the press or whatever else was on the other two stations. So, yeah, it was a wild, wild time. But wrestling too was uh, an icon in in Georgia, but he was a, a worldwide icon. He was he was uh, for wrestling fans. All you had to do was put the uh, put the image up, the the white mask with with the black uh, trim, and prior, you know, before that it was Tim Woods as Mister Wrestling, and 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 I read the story. I don't know the whole history, but uh, I think it was Eddie Graham or someone who asked Johnny Walker to come out of retirement. He was supposedly working at a gas station, and they 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 wanted him to come out, and they put the hood on him. So, um. Yeah. To to think about what those guys did back then, and to the extent they they went to uh, stay and keep the mystery, stay the course, keep the mystery, and don't tell everybody their business. Can you imagine Twitter back then? Uh, yeah, nobody would. I don't think it would last. I don't think those. Certainly, it wasn't. It wasn't the way to do things. And in the old adage, you know, those who talk don't know and those who uh, know don't talk. And and that was just one of those things um, that if, if somebody couldn't trust you with the small stuff, how could they trust you with the big stuff? And and the, the same thing with the, the mask guys. Um, there's a story... <laughs> Uh, Frankie Kane tells, and I, I know I know a lot. I know a lot of the history. I know some of these inside stories, but I read a story Frankie Kane tells uh, years ago. Frankie Kane was a great Mephisto when he wrestled as uh, the one of the Infernos, and they had a riot in Texas in El Paso, actually. And uh, one of the, somebody was under a hood, and uh, the the people were rioting. Wouldn't wouldn't let anybody come out of the locker room. So this guy took off his mask and snuck out a different door so nobody would recognize him and, and got out. He got fired. Dory Funk Sr. fired him for breaking kayfabe and taking off the mask and, uh, you know, not 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 doing the right thing. And back then the right thing was protect the gimmick at all times. And if anybody protected his gimmick, wrestling too did. He, he wore his mask in the shower 
he wore it before he uh, got to the building, like like I said, two miles down the road, 20 minutes after the show. He wouldn't he wouldn't uh, break kayfabe. He didn't want to ride with anybody necessarily going to the town so they could uh, put two and two together, you know, so he rode by himself. And I worked with him one night, and I think it was up north in one of the uh, – Ohio towns that, that we were running out of Atlanta at the time. And I just went behind him as a boom, you know, just working. But, but as soon as I went behind him, he immediately switched, picked me up and took me down and whispered in my ear. He said, that's a good way to get yourself pinned son. And I thought, Oh, yes, sir. But he, he wasn't stiff. He just wanted to show me that, that he could uh, take care of himself. And I, uh, I wasn't trying to prove anything. I was just trying to work the match. So, but he let me know that, and that's what a lot of those guys did. They they weren't uh, weren't going to give you a whole lot. You had to you had to earn that. Uh, one match that I looked up that I found was from oddly enough because I've, he passed away June tenth, two thousand twenty, obviously. But you wrestled him June tenth, nineteen eighty two. Uh, against the wrestling two in Georgia Championship Wrestling. I don't know if you're going to remember this or not. Was that Ohio? This is in Marion, Ohio, for Georgia Thank Championship you. Wrestling. Yes, yeah, you are, hey. you are. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah, then because okay. um, yeah. I, and I and I, I think I wrestled two more times after that. I don't recall the towns, but but I do. I think it was the Ohio, uh, Ohio uh, tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I always rode with uh, <laughs> I rode with Brad Armstrong, Tommy Rich, Johnny Rich, um, Nick Patrick, uh, Johnny, Tommy, Brad, Nick, and me. Yeah, it was five of us, so we always rode together, and especially on those tours. Um, so I and I was telling them about it, and, and Tommy kept saying, "Oh yeah, he's gonna stretch you next time. Yeah, you messed up. He's gonna stretch you." You know, just, and just mm-hmm. played around, but but yeah, he, yeah, that was. Um, I, I thought it was a cool experience. So, I, I another time, this is just another little uh, side road. Uh, it was in Louisiana when I was just starting out, and uh, <laughs> don't ask me how this happened or why this happened, but. Uh, uh, somebody needed to get out and two's car was in the way. So I was the young punk in the dressing room and, uh, I don't, don't remember who asked me to move it, but I went out and moved his car and he had the leopard skin seat covers and it was an old, I, I couldn't tell you what make a car it was. I just remember the leopard skin seat covers and it was a really gimmick car. Uh, so Anyway, they, they, it was a lot more interesting back then, in my opinion. Now you wrestled him a few times in one-on-one matches outside yeah. of uh, outside of Ohio. What was yeah. your kind of overall take on on him as a worker? Did you still think he was great at that point? I actually did, and and uh, he had once again when you when you walk in the ring with somebody. Um, who has this presence, who has this energy, uh, everyone can feel it. Everybody knows. And he had the reputation. Uh, He had the experience. Um, He was a grizzled veteran at that time. And uh, it was, uh, of course, I've been a fan my whole life of professional wrestling. And then when I broke in, 
and now I'm I'm sharing the road, sharing the dressing room with people that I've I've watched, admired, and uh, wanted to be like. And, and Wrestling Two is one of the guys that that I had heard so much about, and now I'm finding that that there's uh, a little bit of truth mixed in with fiction, and and you couldn't really tell where where the uh, fantasy ended and truth began and vice versa. So I, it was it was cool for me uh, because I respected everyone who who was doing this and um, understood to to my point to to how how much it took for me to get in and how much it took. Uh, just to get your foot in the door. And then these guys came before me and they had an even uh, tougher time. But, but, you know, I respected anyone who did that. And wrestling too is one of those guys. I remember hearing about him as uh, Johnny Walker and, and Paul Bosch gave him the name, the nickname, the rubber man. And, uh, you know, that, that was a connection to me too. You know, Paul Bosch, allowed me to work in his wrestling office. Paul Bosch allowed me to, to wrestle in the Sam Houston Coliseum. He booked me. And, yeah, you know, so I, I know what I had to go through. I, I can only imagine what those guys went through. And I I thought Wrestling 2 was a tremendous worker. He had a tremendous uh, ring presence. And everyone in the building could feel it. And... Uh, that that was that that was the element back then that that catapulted you into uh, stardom and and it was just, uh it was well deserved on wrestling two's part. Did you also know his wife Olivia was such a big part of the wrestling business as well? Well, of course, but I ne- I've never met Olivia, but of course we knew that. Uh, she did the robes for mm-hmm. Flair, and she she did she did the robes for for some of the boys, and you can always tell which ones. Like Harley did Harley had some nice robes from her, of course, too, and uh, Dick Slater, and uh, God, every anybody who was anybody had a robe from Miss uh, Miss Wrestling to Mrs. Wrestling to, I guess, Miss Olivia. Pretty damn cool, like to kind of. Have that as like a little nugget, a little tidbit, like, oh yeah, Ric Flair's great robes were made by Mister Wrestling Two's wife. Yeah, like, just like random trivia. Well, yeah, but but you know, it, it's it's there, there's a lot of little nuggets like that. There's a lot of little um, corners of the business that no one really backs into or walks into anymore to find out the history, to find out um, you know how the thread was actually. <laughs> put through the needle and, and, and how the fabric was, was laid or, or what's this wrinkle in the fabric over here? You know, nobody wants to uh, necessarily dig deep a- anymore. And, and, and I'm, I'm really, um, that, that's a sad thing too, but I'm, I'm really interested in the uh, history of the business and, and guys like wrestling too are such a big part of it. Uh, you know, I, and I, I've read the fall guys, many, many years ago, but I was just looking around the uh, internet and, and Scott Teal and Steve Yoey came out with a, a, 
uh, annotated. I don't know. It's A N N O T A T E D. Annotated. Yeah, annotated. Well, because they found a lot of uh, mistakes in this book written in the 1930s by Marcus Griffin, the Fall Guys. Uh, have you read it? Do you know about it? You know about I know about it, but I've never read it. Nope. If you are interested in the history of the business, if you know about Ad Santel and, and uh, Lord Lansdowne and uh, the, the Toots Mont and, and the mm-hmm. Trust Busters, and oh my God, the tr- the, the uh, Gold Dust Trio. It 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 was an interesting book, and, and, and this one I just started, uh, they, they talk about some of the the mistakes. Marcus Griffin was on the payroll uh, of the promoters, and and that's why he slanted this way and why he talks this way. So there, there's bits and pieces in there, like you learn about a Lord Lansdowne, and that's where Gorgeous George got his idea because uh, while it wasn't the same uh, fluffy robes, it was a cape, it was a pomp and circumstance. It was th- th- there were other elements uh, that Gorgeous George took. From that guy, and and you can always take if if you just know about it. I mean, originality is a highly overrated trait, but um, guys guys that came along during a certain era had a certain set of values, and the values in that in in the business have all but vanished. Uh, some still hold true, but but. But a lot of them have got lost in the in the along the way, because uh, I couldn't imagine back when I was 20 years old, or hell, man, when I was 30 years old, uh, having the disrespect that I see a lot of people having these days. Whether it's on Twitter and social media, makes it real easy to be a tough guy. But but back in in the days before that. Uh, of course, you always had people talking behind everybody's back. It was, it's that kind of business. It's the entertainment business. It's petty. It's it's tough. It's it's crazy. It's insane. It's it's jealousy, envy, all those uh, emotions that come into play. But but back in the days of a wrestling two, if those things came up, usually those guys were ready to. Settle it in the ring, out of the ring, on the side of the road. However, you wanted to take care of it. They didn't write it on Twitter. They didn't write it on Facebook, and and nobody got butt hurt. Uh, you, you you talked about it. You did it, and you went on with business. And uh, honest to goodness, and this may sound cliche as hell, but uh, in in Tuesday, men were men, and and if you didn't like that, so be it. But get out of the business they they would they would see if you really wanted this and if that took stretching someone or if that took uh laying it in if it took you know sending them to the outer most uh horrible towns there is to see if they came back so be it i mean nowadays um nobody I don't want to say nobody, but a lot of people don't want to struggle. And no, nobody wants to struggle, but but that really is a part of the journey. Um, and those guys really made the journey. Uh, a, it, it was it was different in, in the sense that 
they had respect for the business. They had respect for the people in it. Um, and, and they had a lot of self-respect, too. And I think Wrestling 2 had self-respect. And anybody that walked in the ring with him, uh, they, they certainly um, either earned his respect or they didn't. There was no two ways about it. He, he either, uh, by the end of the night, respected you or he didn't. And, and that was with a lot of guys. So um, it, it's just we can't bring those days back. We can't. But I, I would wish that some of those things could come back and, and it might do everybody a lot of good to look at things with a, a different set of eyeballs and a different set of principles at times. It is interesting, and you kind of alluded to this before, that he was in the WWF in 84, basically 85, and parts of 86. So it's just interesting that that's kind of forgotten and one of those things that's kind of thrown under the rug. You know, Vince is bringing in all the top talent from everywhere, basically, by 84. He was trying to get everybody. But two was kind of rarely used, almost enhancement talent worthy, I guess you could say, but rarely on TV. But he was there because I think he wanted a great veteran presence along with the other guys he's bringing in. Plus, it hurts. Mid South, when you know you think about a Mid South after you just made Magnum TA a big star, right? I mean, you kind of wanted him around. Well, that too, but I think too was was, was certainly uh, long the tooth back then. Hey, in, in yeah, his, was yeah, you know. So I mean, it was it was a it was a young movement, man, and and, and that was going on. So and, I, and I'm sure he knew that too. It, it wasn't um, he he didn't fit. Uh, what what they had going on, and and, and again that that that's part of the business it's it's in every uh i think it's in every genre like this you know it's 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 a youth movement and and unfortunately youth is wasted on the young sometimes and we all mess up we all make mistakes but um having a presence around having a senior presence around having a veteran presence around was was i think uh a benefit that that vent saw and why not bring a guy like wrestling to in? You're right. Why not let him let him come in and uh, you know not be featured, but at least uh, be acknowledged in the back, in the front, and and when it's time, it's time. So I think everybody was on the same page with that. As far as wrestling to, I mean, obviously 85 years old, he was advanced age, but definitely kind of a, a huge, huge legend in the business. Kind of when he just think about him and just final almost thoughts on just two what's kind of like you think his legacy in the business well certainly his legacy in the business is going to be one of the greatest masked men uh in professional wrestling um i i think that's going to go along with a guy like uh, don jardine the spoiler and mil moscris obviously and the destroyer um el santo uh the masked marvel you know i mean i think if I don't, I'm sure, but I'm not sure because I haven't seen it. Someone has had to by now come out with the greatest masked wrestlers of all time, or something along those lines. Uh, you know, so I think he's certainly going to be listed in there. I think he's certainly going to be one of those guys that uh, you thought about and talked about, at least for the uh, historians. So and and for fans who who uh, care enough, I mean, once again, I I don't know what 
the wrestling fan of today really looks at or really um, cares about as far as history, because to them, history is Hulk Hogan. And uh, there was wrestling long before Hulk Hogan. There was wrestling long before that. And, and you know, it wasn't the most exciting for some people. At the same time, the shenanigans that went on and the manipulations that went on and the games that were played and just the way business was handled and who promoted who and who promoted what um, is, is really interesting if you want to do this because history does repeat itself. And you might be able to find something old and make it new again. Wrestling 2 and all those masked guys, they kayfabe, they kept their identity um, away from everybody. Mel Moscaris would wear his mask on planes in Mexico. Couldn't wear them in the States, but he didn't look. He looked very unassuming. He wore a suit, but he looked like a businessman when he traveled. And um, <laughs> I, I took him back to Houston from San Antonio one night. And I didn't think he was going to take off his mask. I really didn't, but he did. And he didn't, he was, he was not proficient in English. We got beer. I remember that, but there wasn't a lot of talk. I just remember uh, a long trip, but, but that's what those guys did back then. They, they stayed mysterious. And if anyone does any serious history stories on wrestling and masked men, wrestling to certainly, by God, just by proxy of the fact that uh, the the president of the United States mother uh, cared enough to go every week to Columbus, Georgia, and cheer her favorite wrestler on, Mr. Wrestling Two. So I think he's certainly going to be up there in the uh, uh, echelon of masked wrestling superstars. Did also want to mention, since this is the week, actually a few days ago, it'll be June 11th, technically speaking. This will be out on June 15th. But the passing of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, a good buddy of yours five years ago today. Not five years ago today, but five years ago of of this week, he he passed away. Yeah, it was, um, wow, five years. That's that's. That that was when it when it hit me too. Uh hard to believe it's been five years. And that was now that one was a bit of a shock because I had just um talked to him two weeks prior to that. And I said to him, Dream, a lot of people are dying. I just want to tell you I love you. And he laughed. He went, Oh yeah, let people down. Listen, I ain't gonna go nowhere, baby. I love you too. So okay, and two weeks later he died. So I'm glad I got to tell him that. Um, and I, I there was no premonition. There was there wasn't uh, anything. But then all of a sudden I start thinking, oh my God, Jesus, <laughs> did I did I really know? But I didn't. I mean, there wasn't anything that was telling me. I saw him on uh, uh, the carpet at Mania, and he didn't look well. And I asked him uh, about that. And and he said no, he was he was doing great, but he wasn't going to sell, obviously, and he hadn't been doing well. I talked to Norman about that too. Um, 
so and and that was a big one. Uh that that was one of those ones that uh, hit hard too, you know. So it's like, damn, that everybody was going away and and uh never thought the dream, you know, he he was going to be he was going to live to be 80 years old. I think Dory Funk Jr is 79 years old and uh uh still still <laughs> Still doing what Dory does, and um, Dream was gonna—he had a great job. He—he—he he, he, he was in the perfect place to—to to be involved, to be around the business, and to teach, and 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 to, to teach his teaching, especially at this juncture of his life, was just to be there so everybody could have him around to learn from and talk to and that was his teaching didn't necessarily have to have to have a a lesson plan or a game plan his game plan was waking up and coming in and talking to the kids and and giving some uh um advice just by telling them stories and 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 getting him on a roll and that was that's another thing that that having a veteran like that around uh, who has so much to not only share, um, but to invent and create. He, he, he could create on the fly and it's amazing. He could create almost from anything and just, just start talking about the most ridiculous things and, I don't I don't have a specific story right now, but I do remember uh, prior to TV on Thursdays, um, there was a Publix uh, supermarket right across from from FCW, and I I would stop in there sometimes before TV. We we would get there very early, and and I would get watermelon, you know, in the little plastic uh, containers, and come over and and Dream, Dream, and I would sit in the control room eating watermelon, telling stories. And out of a story would come this fantastic lie, or this fantastic promo, or this fantastic um, obscure fact. And half the time he was he was bullshitting, and the other half he was he was right on the money. So it, it's kind of like. Uh, you have this this national treasure right there in front of you, and he really was, man. For especially uh, in the in the wrestling business, he 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 was one of those guys that one of a kind, just one of a kind. You could not create another Dusty Rhodes. You, there's there was just no way they did break the mold, and he knew that. He knew he was the American Dream. He knew he was. Uh, a superstar in every sense of the world, even at his age, because he, he, he was one of those guys. He was one of those people that you just felt the magnetism and the energy from. And yes, he was old. And yes, he was, you know, you know, my belly is just a little big, my head is just a little big, but mm. you know, he, he, he had that. He, even to the day, the last day I saw him, he had that, he had that uh, energy. And, when I got fired, he uh, uh, he 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 never stopped. I, I heard from him. We talked 
on a weekly or biweekly basis, and he never forgot. So uh, I, I always appreciated that too because he didn't have to do that. <laughs> he there there were a couple people who who did and a couple people who didn't, but but that's okay. I under, I certainly understand their position, but Dream did, and he never he never once uh, forgot. And and if there was anything I needed to bounce off him or just just say hello, and it's one of those things you know how you say hey how you doing hey how's it going? I never wanted to ask him that, and I remember. Uh, the one time I did, he goes, ah, uh, yeah, I knew you'd ask me. I said, no, no, you know what, man? I don't want to know. I don't want to hear anything about what's going on. I don't because it, when you're when you're separated from uh, the employment <laughs> where you just at, you don't want to. I don't want to hear what's going on there. And he doesn't. He doesn't have to, need to tell me. He doesn't want to tell me uh, what's going on. It's none of my business. I'd rather just talk to you as my friend. I'd rather talk to you as, and let's just tell some stories. Let's let's like Brad, you know, hey, hey what are you doing? No, nah, nothing, man. Well, good. I got got nothing to say and all day to say it. Well, great. Hey, have you heard the one about the uh, bear walks into a bar and orders a beer? Well, no, I haven't. Tell me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's it was that kind of thing with Dusty, and it was that kind of thing with um, uh, everybody who knew him. He the, he he was a dream, and uh, when he would do promo class, it was it was. Not okay. Here's what we're gonna do. No, he would he would explain what you're going to do in his voice, in his manner, in his body language, and it's hard. In fact, it's it's damn near difficult or or impossible to 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 demonstrate or to recreate the uh, the way Dream got over. You can watch it on YouTube. You can listen to it, but unless you're there live, you you don't know how how it it the the pixie dust or whatever was sprinkled in the crowd made everyone react the way they did. It was it was what he did. It was how he did it, and it, and it was it was nothing short of magic. Uh, he and superstar Billy Graham had matches in Madison Square Garden. They had them in Houston, Texas, you know, and and they were the same two guys. But if you watch their match from the Garden and then you watch their match from Houston, it, it, it's different. They're, they do some of the same spots, but it's a different vibe. It's a different match. It's a different cadence. It's a different uh, rhythm than what they do in the garden. And it's because of the crowd. It's the energy. It's the feeling. And you cannot explain that unless you are physically there to feel it, to understand it. I've been to some great concerts. I've been to some horrible concerts. I've seen some great wrestling shows and great cards. I've seen some stinkers. And I know the difference. And that only comes with experience. But you can try and convey it with your voice. You can try, and you can convey it with your body language, and that's what the, the American Dream did. That's what I try to do today. Uh, when, whenever we're going over something, whether it's promos or a wrestling match, I try to explain. It's not always about the holds you do, and it's not how many holds you do. It's not how many flip-flops and flies you do. It's how you do what you do. Let me show you the American dream and demonstrate this. I will show you on this video. 
but you have to watch and you have to have an open mind because you it's impossible to be there live now obviously and you it's impossible to say well okay you can feel it again i i i had the opportunity to jump out of a plane people say why would you want to do that well why wouldn't you is what i asked back you know for some people ask why i ask why not so I now know what it's like to jump out of a plane, and I would do it again and again and again. Some people don't have that feeling. Some people don't want to have that feeling. Some people want to be professional wrestlers. Some people don't. I get it, but that was what the dream was, and he, was, he would take you on a ride. And sometimes he would hit the gas and... <laughs> And you, and, and you weren't sure where, you, where he was going with it, and all of a sudden he'd slow down, and he'd, he'd look both ways and, and, and start the story back again. And you didn't know if it was complete fabrication or a little bit of this and a little bit of that mixed with a whole lot of bullshit. Didn't matter because when you walked away, you felt something, and you felt like you either learned, you gained knowledge, uh, you enjoyed yourself. You really wanted to do it again and listen to him tell you this story. But his purpose his purpose always came back to wanting to make you better. And nine times out of ten, that happened because you saw results when he would do promo class. You, you, not everybody was going to get it, but not everybody was meant to get it. And those who did were meant to, and those who who uh, were going to grab hold of it, dream dream could could recognize that, and it would help you. He would, he would uh, put his hand out and offer uh, to to guide you down the down the path. And it was always up to to those people who who wanted to learn to learn and to listen. They had a, he was the best resource at FCW. He really was. We weren't getting someone like Dusty Rhodes. We had Dusty Rhodes. We had the American Dream. We had the guy. We had the man, and he had the stories. He was the one who did it. He, there, there was nobody else. And um, you know that he he meant so much to me, and especially as I got to know him in FCW, uh, because I had met him just in passing through the years. And then once we got to, once we really got to talk, and I, I pissed him off so bad one time, and, and I went and apologized, and ever since then it was it was great, it was it was fantastic. But but that's what happens when you're when you're in close quarters and <laughs> under the gun, having live rounds fired at you while you're in the foxhole. But we we stayed in that foxhole many times, and uh, he never abandoned me. I always appreciated that. I don't know if I ever talked to you about this before, but a few days before he passed, we actually did the last ever interview with Dusty. We were talking all about Florida, and they were building that wall down there um, for the uh, Championship Wrestling of Florida kind of wall of fame. Yeah. And we we had been talking to him. So I got very friendly with him, just kind of like setting up. Nothing like too crazy, but he made me feel like I was like a good friend. You know, he'd always be like, hey, Johnny, what's going on? You know, when do you want to do it? Just kind of small talk, setting it up. 
And I was just, you know, in awe. Like, wow, Dusty Rhodes is calling me, like, hey, hey Johnny, you know, all, like, casual. Hey, when do you, you want to set this thing up? What do you want to talk about? Like, all of this other stuff. So it was funny, like, getting to know him and be friendly with him. But obviously, you're not really knowing him. But he made you feel that way. He was just so cool to kind of be able to, to – and do the interview, obviously, and, and be able to talk to him. It was just unbelievable. Well, you, you may not remember what he said, but you'll always remember how he made you feel. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what he always preached, and that's what he always did. And, and, and it's true. Even, uh, you know, to this day, none of us are perfect, and I've seen him in a good mood. I've seen him in a bad mood. I've seen him when he said things he wished he wouldn't have. <laughs> and and uh, uh, I've been on both sides of the fence. So, yeah, he, he was that kind of guy that you were the only person in the room. And Piper was the same way. Piper was another guy that just uh, God almighty damn. Uh, he, he didn't he he wasn't bullshit, and neither was Dusty, and, and you know, and and too many times, <laughs> the guys are bullshit because they don't know how to be real and they don't know how to be anything else but what they are, and and um, you know, Dream Dream was a, a manipulator. He was a worker, but at the same time, um, you, you, you we're in a, a business of manipulators and workers, and what do you expect? I mean. But once he trusted you and, and or he wanted to be there and um, talk, sure he would. You know, he, he understood. One of the great things I saw about him, and it, it just impressed me uh, so much because he used to get a lot of mail at FCW. And people would send him his action figure and ask him to sign them. And I don't know how many he got, but he got a lot. And he got a lot of uh, just letters with requests for pictures or to sign pictures. And he signed every one of them, every one of them, and made sure someone mailed them back. And and this is a man who, who who I don't have time for that shit. No, he had time for that shit. He had time for everything, and 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 that was impressive. I, I just uh, it blew me away because some people do, some people don't. But he he was one of the ones that uh, had had superstar status times a hundred, um, and somebody could take a chance on sending their action figure and. Uh, he realized that, and I think he felt if if someone took the time to send this, you know, it means something to them, and 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 he did. It was it was it was a cool thing because I've seen other people say, "I'll oh, screw it and throw it in the trash," and that's not cool. Now you have actually been in the ring with Big Dust a few yes. times as well. Do you remember Houston wrestling in a, in a battle royal with Big Dust? I do, but I also was in uh, like an eight-man tag at, at one of Sal Corrente's uh, conventions too. But in, in the Wrestle battle Reunion, royal, right? Yes, yes, yes. In the battle royal was which one, 80? 1982 is what I see. January of 82 for Houston wrestling. Uh, could have been. Could have been. But I but see, I uh, I had known Dream shoot since 82 yeah might have been 82 for or because it was texas yeah 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 it was uh for san antonio but i'm trying to think of where it was when he was sitting in the dressing room dream dream used to go walk around naked uh, <laughs> that, yeah he just he, he wouldn't wear his trunks he'd wear a t-shirt or something 
I walk around with boots on, just no trunks, just walk around naked. And nobody would say anything. It was just, it, it was just what it was. And I remember him sitting there though, talking to me naked across uh, in 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 the dressing room, taping his finger. And he says, "So, uh, I remember, you know, I was a biggest thing in Houston. Paul wouldn't use me. I still don't understand it. I still don't understand it." And I don't remember what I said, but I just remember the part uh, about saying Paul wouldn't use him in Houston. And he's naked sitting there uh, on the dressing room. Yeah, yeah, you know. But but and I told him about that later on too. He just laughed. But he but but that was uh, that was the American dream, man. One of a kind, never will be duplicated. Often often imitated, never duplicated. And Paul Bosch must be a crazy man, not want to book him more. Ah, he used him, man. Paul used him in, in main event spots. He he knew, you know. Dream was Dream was an attraction like Andre and. And when people could get a hold of him, he he uh, uh, he went and and he was paid well. He was done. He was used well. And I don't know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes, you know, the veterans like to tell stories. And and Dream would tell some stories. It was great. It was the coolest thing, man. Just to sit there and listen to uh, to old school stories about the Texas stuff. I didn't care so much about the Charlotte stuff. I wanted to hear about Dickie Murdoch, and I wanted to hear about the the Texas Outlaws. And when I got home, when I got released, uh, I was looking through some old Houston programs. You know, I have a lot of a lot of stuff I really need to go through. And I found a uh, a program from 1969 in Houston with Dream on the card, but he's dust, Dirty Dusty Roads. And they billed him from Fort Smith, Arkansas. I sent it to him. And and told him look at the hometown and and I sent him a couple things that I found along the way because I wasn't sure if he had it but from 1969 uh, and and I think they did that because he was from Houston they didn't want to put a local guy you know just just they want to make it where you, the guys are coming from all over you couldn't have five local guys on the card but uh, dirty dusty roads from Sport Smith Arkansas that's a weird kind of random place to be from. Yeah, but you know, you had people who uh you know, lived in uh like like Akbar. <laughs> you know, Akbar wasn't from uh Iran or Iraq, you know. Skandar Akbar. He talked like a Texan, walked like a Texan, but you know, he's he's the evil um Iraqi general or Iranian general, <laughs> whatever they're saying, you know. Yes. Now, I think that is a great stopping point, great kind of tribute to the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, and, of course, Mr. Wrestling number 2, Johnny Walker. I want to get into some plugs and mention ProWrestlingTees.com. A JPWA store is available where you can pick up some shirts as well as a Dr. Tom store. Love the Wanted Dead or Alive shirt. That's my absolute favorite. A Patreon page has been set up where you can become a patron and support JPWA. You can go to the website, jpwrestlingacademy.com. You can follow Dr. Tom on Twitter, at Dr. Tom Pritchard. You can follow me, at Two Man Power Trip. Now, Dr. Tom, I want to do another plug for the book as well. I know we mentioned it earlier, but I want to mention it again. A pro wrestling curriculum, advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level. How can they get this book? We have it available on Amazon.com. Also, if you would like a personally signed autographed copy, uh, drop me a line at my PayPal. It is 
Dr. Tom Pritchard at AOL.com. Um, or if you just want some information, you can also email me at JP Wrestling Academy at Gmail. Dot com, which also brings me to the point that we have an All-American Wrestling Academy slash JPWA camp August 8th and 9th, 2020. Rudy Boy Gonzalez from San Antonio, Texas, along with my good friend Les Thatcher and myself, will be presenting a uh, two-day camp and seminar August 8th and 9th for only $99. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, both days. Drop us a line at JP. W or JP Wrestling Academy at J at Gmail dot com. JP Wrestling Academy at Gmail dot com. That's uh that's the address for that. Also wanted to mention, like you mentioned before, a great Father's Day gift is Manscaped. Escaping accents are a thing of the past. One of the coolest features of the new lawnmower three point is the LED light. You can actually get a little closer with the grooming, get those precise trimming areas that you need to. It has advanced skin-safe technology, so you won't nick the balls, and there will be no issues down there. But I do think it is an absolute great Father's Day gift. Manscaped.com, Lawnmower 3.0. You know what I heard, too? You know what Mm -hmm. uh, somebody actually told me about this lawnmower, man, that the battery lasts up to 90 minutes. Now, I didn't ask the question why you needed 90 minutes to shave, (laughs) but but, uh, somebody who actually subscribed uh, to our show uh, told me and and dropped me a line saying that uh, it had over an hour and a half uh, with with, uh, battery time. So that's kind of cool, too. That is amazing. I mean, I guess you could just use it. For all day, huh? What the hell? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, if you're listening to this right now, you have to experience this firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code POWERTRIP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Huge, huge thing, free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code POWERTRIP. Anything else, Dr. Tom? I believe that's it. We've... uh covered the gambit uh, for another week and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of exciting <laughs> action going on all this week man can we just cancel 2020 right now and just start start over that's my question cancel culture right can- yes cancel 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 culture and cancel 2020 <laughs> why not why not but no I think everything's going to be fine we'll all be okay We'll all get out and, yeah, we'll all get out and uh, sing uh, some really nice Bon Jovi songs and go from there. Yes, this too shall pass, as they say. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, uh, this week for joining us on Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.